0: a marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm-
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Casa Grant with us here. She's actually in New Zealand, but grew up in Montana. And uh, so we had a good conversation about that a little bit here before we got going. But thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me,
2: Nate. I appreciate it, too.
1: Absolutely. So I'd like to ask this question. I don't know if you uh, did your research, but sometimes a lot of people will listen to at least one or two episodes. And so they're like, oh, I'm preparing for this question. But Championship Leadership is the name of the podcast. So what comes to mind for you? What does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that?
2: I mean, I love that question actually. And I did think about it.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, I guess this is going to sound a little bit wishy-washy, but I think it's going to vary for each person. Like what it means to be a champion to you is, is going to determine what your idea of champion leadership leadership is. So, you know, for some people um, that could be know, Having a team that performs really well, I think that would probably be something that would most people would want as a championship leader. For me, it would would mostly be knowing that I was able to articulate my direction, articulate my values and lived as a leader towards those two things. That's because it's all about you at the end of the day. You have to be able to look in the mirror and feel like you've done a great job or you don't have to, but I like to. That's what it's about for me is having that integrity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And it is yeah, very unique answer. Once again, it's, uh, it is interesting coming in on 280 episodes here. And so 280 different conversations and every time it's, it's, it's a little bit different. So I like that. I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about you, you know, for the listeners that aren't familiar with you and what you do kind of give us a little bit of background on you and your, your journey and your story and how that takes you to where you are today. And what is it that you're up to today? And what are you doing?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, very, very short answers. No, just <laughs> well, I think I was mentioning earlier, I used to work in Antarctica for about five years on and off. And I mean, basically, I was always obsessed with wanting to travel from a very young age. And I grew up in rural Montana on a ranch. So, you know, what can you do out there except for read books and chase cows and yeah. dream about dream about traveling to other places? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even though Other people are dreaming of traveling there. So I always wanted to travel quite a lot, and I started figuring out how to get jobs that would help me travel and live overseas. I lived in Prague for a while. I moved out to San Francisco when I was pretty young and went to college there. So that also exposed me to more people who were traveling, and that was a really huge experience for me. And then after grad school, yeah, I had this opportunity to go to Antarctica and basically was like, oh, I don't have anything better to do, <laughs> which I know sounds really dumb, but <laughs> I, I really was kind of like, mm, yeah, this seems like a good way to knock that continent off my list. Um, yeah, yeah. And so ended up down there on and off for five years and did three winters, three summers. And that's, I mean, I had been a teacher for years on and off and, and then adventure travel bus driver. I used to drive these trips across the U.S. and Mexico and Canada. And so you did a lot of leadership things there, but it was, it was, I mean, it's definitely a different type of situation than like a management situation, but you are definitely managing people. So, but when I was in Antarctica was when I really started thinking about management structures, what I was passionate about with making things better for other people as a leader, you know, I would get frustrated with systems or procedures and, and then want to change them because I didn't think anybody else should have to go through the frustration that I went through. And then when I left Antarctica, I met met my partner who was a Kiwi and we are in New Zealand right now. And I had to really reinvent myself because you come off the ice and I moved to a new country. I had experience, but it was like, it was interesting experience, but people were like, we don't really know where to put you. And also I had kind of a weird visa. I had like a, it wasn't a permanent visa yet when I first got here. So I had applied for like 170 jobs and I was applying at like management level, master's degree level, like where I was on the ice. And, and luckily this woman who I had applied for a job with was this company in, in Wellington, which is kind of where we were based, reached out to me. Cause I was just like, you know, you start to feel like it's, you, you start to feel damaged. You're like, why, yeah. <laughs> why doesn't anybody want me? <laughs> right. And, and she, she was so kind and she reached out and said, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want you for this job. I don't think it's appropriate right now, but I really want to talk to you because you seem really interesting. And I would love to have you like basically in my pocket as a possibility. And so I went in and she was so frank with me and she was just like, look, you don't have the right visa. People are not going to look for at you for this job, for the, this level of job with this visa. And I was just so grateful for someone to just be straight up with yeah, me about right. it and give me the information that I had suspected, but you know, needed. And so then it was kind of like, all right, well, what can I do? People are making money on the internet. I can start thinking about how to do that. I started doing copywriting and branding mm-hmm. and started building that up. And, but pretty early on, I knew I wanted to coach. And honestly with, with copywriting and branding in particular, especially around communications, you already are doing a lot of coaching. You know, yep. you're asking a lot of questions. You're helping people understand, like get clarity. And But I was always leadership. I was always really passionate about leadership because like I said, you can really make a difference if you understand a path and you understand how to make it better for other people. So, Uh, When I pivoted into leadership coaching, into coaching, I really wanted to focus on leadership coaching. And I also do, um, I I focus on personal branding because I see it all play together. You know, I see like systems, like in in the companies that I work with, I kind of think of myself as a brand integrator because you have a brand that you create based on who you are, you articulate it, then you continue to do the things that put that brand into action. So having that brand integrity and part of that is leadership coaching Understanding the branding, understanding how to communicate that, and so those are the areas that I really like to play in, and it's really satisfying. It's really interesting and fun work, and it's really fun to see people transform from who they think they are into who they really are. And so, you know, my my tagline is like helping offbeat leaders or you know, coaching offbeat leaders. But it's because people who who wouldn't necessarily think of themselves as like I'm a leader, I really like helping them because. It can come out in so many different ways. And it's just a matter of getting intentional about what you want to do to develop that leadership capability.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who are the people that you typically work with?
2: Um, I've been working with a lot of tech companies. That's been, it, it, that one kind of fell to me, which is great. I mean, I love, I'm, I would not consider myself a tech head or anything like this. I don't even know if that's the thing people say. That's how cool I am. But,
1: Makes sense
2: to me. I am yeah. really interested. I mean, I'm definitely a Star Trek dork and sci-fi dork, so <laughs> I'm very interested in the possibilities of tech. And I also, now that I've worked with tech for a while, understand a lot about you know product and process and and how to um, produce technological products. I guess. Yeah. So I would say the industry is probably tech, and then, like I said, the offbeat leaders are probably also who I'm working with. So people who maybe didn't follow this like traditional leadership path. I don't even know if that exists anymore, to be honest. But sure. people who didn't maybe get an MBA, they didn't necessarily, you know, groom themselves for leadership from an early age. But yep. they but as they get into leadership, they understand like, this is really interesting and I'm actually pretty good at it. I just want to get better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that as, you know, definitely in the tech world, but probably in a lot of industries, right? Where you kind of get into it not to be a leader, but then you just eventually find yourself in that position
2: that's exactly uh, right or
1: you wanted to be an engineer or whatever well i mean you know it doesn't matter where you're at there's always going to as you continue to grow and continue down that path i mean we're all leaders every single one of us so.
2: even just because lead, we're leading ourselves you know we, we have to have intentionality about where we want to go as people and and then we lead ourselves yeah i agree totally
1: agree yeah. there's one thing that Kinda of is off topic, but you mentioned it before the show, and then you said it again. Your partner is a kiwi. What is a kiwi? I, like, oh. I feel like this is common knowledge, and I should and I should know what a kiwi is. But I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. It's a
2: native of New
1: Zealand. Okay, <laughs> that's what I was kiwi word, Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are he's no. Not he's not a fruit. He's or a bird. <laughs> yeah. He's a man who's who's from New Zealand. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Why don't you talk a little bit about maybe some people that have been, you know, have impacted your life, coaches, mentors, other leaders, and maybe people that you look up to, or it's always kind of less about who it is, but please share if you feel comfortable with who that is and, and more so, you know, what is it about them? What are some of the characteristics that really stood out to you that maybe you've taken on as you've grown as a leader yourself?
2: Mm, That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I would say personally speaking, of course, I had Mm -hmm. teachers and professors who Definitely had large influences on me as I was formulating my personality, I guess. Um, and that was really powerful. Uh, one of my teachers in particular was my junior English teacher, and he had this thing he called the future retrospective. And it actually, I mean, now it's like definitely thing, something I've seen in coaching books. I don't know that he, if he saw that there or whatever, but essentially, you know, he's talking to this like precocious, somewhat annoying seventeen-year-old <laughs> who probably worried way too much, frankly. And he had this thing where he would say, like, "Well, when you're forty, what do you want to say you did?" And so it's pulling yourself out of this like reality right in front of you, bringing you into this idea of, you know, what is my bigger goal here, but not too far. Like that, yeah. you know, if you're 17 and you're thinking about when I die, what I want to do, that's just too far. Like, I mean, 40s pushed it too a little bit, right? Yeah. But that gave me a lot more intentionality around what I did in my 20s because. And my 30s, you know, of like, I did want to travel. And that's where it started to get a little bit weirder when I decided I was like, yeah, I've traveled a lot. I still like to travel, but it's not going to be like that number one driver anymore. Yeah. But it helped me because I had had that number one driver. I felt that, of, that sense of satisfaction. I understood that this was a goal nebulous as it may be to travel, but I had done it and I would continue to do it, but not necessarily in that capacity. But so that was really, really a huge influence for me of, of helping me pull myself out of that thought trap. Another person I would say who helped me a lot with just a, a model. And I, I use this for my clients too. Actually, her name is Byron Katie and she-
1: I love Byron Katie.
2: Isn't she great? Yeah. And so she does this thing called the work and yeah, the four it's- Four questions. It's, yeah. It's, it's, and it helps you. Again, I was as a as an overthinker, as somebody who was prone to anxiety, particularly as a, as a teenager and kind of early 20s. I needed something like that to pull me outside of what I thought was real. Yep. You know, you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. But I thought my thoughts were real. And I thought yeah. things were very dire as a result of these thoughts I was believing. So having that as a very concrete technique to go, whoa, 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 whoa let's just do a little bit of questioning, a little bit of jiggling your brain yep. was really, really influential for me and really helped me a lot. Wayne Dyer also, I, w- I was exposed to at that age, like a PBS special he was doing. And that, yeah. I mean, completely changed my life too. Actually. Yeah. I was really, yeah,
1: by- um, go ahead. Go, yeah. I was, I was just going to say Byron Katie was, you know, I don't run into a lot of people that are familiar with her. Yeah. She's been huge in my progress and my growth and, uh, the, the work has been a big, big piece of that. So, and that's something that I talk with my clients about all the time. So that's, yep.
2: I, I give them the worksheets. Yeah. Because it's just such a simple tool and it's such yeah. a simple way to raise awareness and help you kind of go, you know, is this true? <laughs> right. And the fact right. is nobody knows that what, question. What's true, right? <laughs> like, so you'll kind of always have to go, no, this is not mm-hmm. true, mm-hmm. but it's good because like I said, it brings you out of this idea of either victimhood or being right or whatever it is that's, that's helped, that's keeping you in in a, in a an unhappy or uh, not, not optimal state, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then more recently I would say, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of famous people too, but I'm just like, so, uh, there's so many right now. I mean, I will say like after, when I started my business, like it was such a huge growth journey for me because I, I was always into self-help, I guess you would call it like yeah. personal development. I was always into that, but especially, and I'm guessing you had this in this similar situation too, but Opening your own business will take you on the ride of your life in terms of personal development. You know, it brings up so many fears and insecurities and all these kinds of things. So I've had to do a lot of work around that. And I actually, yeah, I can't really think of any one person in particular that's that's been really hugely influential. But. Cause there's just been so many yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's been an amazing path and a lot of changes. It's fun to be able to see if you can, where you started and then where you've progressed to. It's like, yeah. Whoa, I can't even, Oh yeah. I can't even think about like how far I've gone because of, of the changes that I've made in the past, you know, 10 years or whatever. Right. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same here. What's a big vision for you. I, you know, I think of, they get rugby in New Zealand, right. But of course in America, in North America, football is big and it's a big part of my life. Play college football is part of what brought me to Shadron State, which is what we were talking about a little bit before. So I think of like Bill Belichicker and Nick Saban, who are two of the greatest coaches ever that continue to just stay on top of the game, you know, competing against the best coaches in the world. And uh, I think a big piece of that is they have this incredible vision and this courage to take action on that vision. So, what's a vision for you for where you want to go, the impact that you want to make, maybe even just next five years?
2: Yeah. Wow. That is a fantastic question. I mean, it, it's similar to what we were talking about before is, is that integrity of the brand, you know, like because I used to think talking about branding and personal branding in particular was just so navel gazing influencer. And now I understand it more as a reputation, right. And also as an integrity situation. So bringing people more into an alignment with their integrity is, is my vision. You know, how do I help as a company, as a, as a, as a leader, How do I help them understand what their values and who who they say they want to be and then continue to actually work towards that? Because it's so easy for people to just like not have that intentionality, not really understand where they're headed and then not have the direction and also not have the integrity. And I see that in some leaders too. It's like, or companies that, you know, you'll see them have all this happy, shiny things on their website and then you get into the company and people are not happy. And that is... A real problem. I mean it's gonna, it's already been a problem, but especially now with the high attrition rates that basically every company right. is having right now. Yeah, if you don't have an excellent culture that actually is in alignment with what you say you're doing, yeah, people are bouncing. You're gonna have yeah. a huge attrition rate and it's going to really affect your bottom line. So, I mean, of course, there's that business aspect of that I want them to succeed as businesses, but it's also about being able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm doing the best I can do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. That might not be super inspiring to some people, but for most, I think it is. Like we want to know that we are in integrity with ourselves and integrity with who we say we're going to be in integrity with trying to be better for the people that we're trying to help. If we're a leader, for example, or if we're a member of a team, trying to be the best member of the team that you can, not necessarily at all times and nobody's going to be like super perfect action person, but helping people have that sense of integrity is a really my vision, and and that can go right through from, like I said, the brand creation, the operations, the leadership, all of those things come together to create that brand integrity.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. What would be, you know, I like to call like a, a turning point for you, kind of that fork in the roads where you know you've made the decision that you have that that has you where you're at today, but had you not, you could be. You, you would be in a very different place today mm-hmm. because of it. I think there's a lot of, especially right now, right? I, I continue to say this. It's difficult times for a lot of us. It's probably always a difficult time, you know, no matter what. But especially now with the pandemic, we were talking a little bit about just how it's changed our lives. you not being able to travel, might have to miss your, your sister's wedding. I mean, you know, those are in the big scheme of life, probably not the worst things in the world, but it's a big deal at the same time. So our lives have been... Uh, impacted and we're we're all going through challenging times and it's, we get strength from hearing others and their stories and how they dealt with those similar situations. So is there a moment that comes up for you that you could share?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would have to say the biggest one was when I left Montana. So I was, let's see, I was 16, I want to say. So my dad lived in California and then I was living with my mom and her, her husband and I was struggling with, he was a new husband. So I was struggling with that and, there was, I think there was a lot of like power control stuff going on for him to like coming into this family with three kids basically. Yeah. So I left, I went to California. I was really unhappy and um, went out and moved with my dad. And it was, I mean, I mean, wintering in Antarctica feels pretty scary too, if I'm honest. But But, um, that was the scariest thing I'd ever done. Certainly up to that point in my life was making that decision to leave literally everybody I'd ever known. And, and a, an environment, like I said, that was very small, 400 people in the town, 2000 in the County, like people that I'd literally grown up with from babies and my parents, parents, grandparents, like my, my grandparents had grown up with, their yeah, grandparents. Right. you know, it was like, it's like, some pretty long lines that well, not long lines. I mean, I guess for the US, it's long lines, but our families <laughs> had the ranch for you know over a hundred years. So yeah, basically, yeah, we've been there for quite a while. So it was scary, it was really scary for me to break that part of my identity because you know I had identified and I still always will kind of identify as like this dorky ranch kid. Mm-hmm. I think that's just always gonna be there, but pushing myself into this new environment even though i was deeply homesick and still yeah, am right. to a degree right like that yeah. i was very very homesick for for a couple of years at least and but pushing myself into something that was so un- unfamiliar and then moving to san francisco for college i think if i hadn't done that actually i know if i hadn't done that my life would have been very very different oh, you know? yeah. so geography matters <laughs> i mean geography yeah. matters but also this this sense of really challenging yourself in a way that feels terrifying, you know, uh, that was definitely part of that for me. Yeah.
1: Did it feel like a big decision at the time or was it? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, I was very scared. I was really scared to go. And I was, um, you know, I, I just, I felt very unmoored, especially, and, and it was funny too. I mean, I moved to a town that was not very big either. It was like 700 kids in the school, but for me, that felt like a, a lot of yeah, kids, really? that was literally seven times the size of my other school. Yeah. And it, Everything felt really fancy and exciting at first, but then it started to just the unfamiliarity started to kind of wear on me and yeah, it was challenging. It was very challenging, but those types of challenging situations give you that grit for the yeah. next time yeah. of, you know, well, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's something that I talk about with leaders all the time of like, when you're in this uncomfortable position and you want to go back to being the best doer, right? Like you were raised from whatever, if you are an engineer or whatever, You were maybe the best engineer, but as a leader, if you're engineering, you're a crappy leader, right? So you can't go back into that comfort zone. Like you just cannot go back, but it's figuring out, well, how do I actually make myself work in this new zone? That's the hard part. And that's where we get this kind of, again, this identity, identity shaking kind of experience.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And to think about it, like, what you know, the big decision to go from Montana to California, and then you went to freaking Antarctica, which is (laughs) just way opposite side of the spectrum crazy, which I'm sure you have some incredible stories. Uh, yeah,
2: the first time I, w- I used to work the flights, the flight crew, because I was on in logistics and, and transportation. And The first time, so the first year I wintered, you know, there's, a, there's no flights for about six months in the winter. So it's dark, it's already been dark. Well, no, it hasn't. It's been dark most of the time by the time the last flight takes off. And you're watching it take off and just thinking, have I made a huge mistake? I'm down yeah. for six. Months. There's yeah. no more plans coming for six months. That's yeah. it. Like, yeah.
1: right. <laughs> um,
2: but you just, like I said, you put one foot in front of the other.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's not like you can just decide to, to go home at any moment. So, no. yeah.
2: and then we had a fellow who I think actually it was that winter. Yeah. We had a guy who really did not do well psychologically. And they were kind of diff- experimenting with his medication. And, and you could see, I mean, he was walking around like you could see him just in this fog. And oh wow. And it, you see that. And it's like July, which is like literally the middle of the winter. It's been dark for three months straight, like, you know, and you are thinking like is that going to happen to me? <laughs> yeah. Because totally, you start right. to feel your brain slipping. Like it's kind of yeah. like pandemic where you start to feel like you can't remember things as well. Every day feels the same. You feel yeah. really tired. And and then you start to see somebody else struggling in that way. And you're just going, oh my God, I, I don't know what to, like I have to, you, you start to get, I, I started to get a lot more pay to more attention to my body in particular, sure. So making sure you're getting your vitamin D, making sure you're yeah. getting your light. We have happy lights that we use. And making sure you're getting exercise. I mean, you exercise for your job, but still, because that stuff alone makes such a huge difference. And yeah, um, exactly. I mean, and that's outside of Antarctica too, but right. it becomes, it becomes a lot easier to go. This is crucial. I can't skip this <laughs> yeah. when you're down there and you see yeah. somebody else who, I mean, I'm not saying that it was his fault or that he. No. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Right. Vitamin D,
2: but it's scary when you see someone struggling in that way and there's nothing you can really do about it. And you're also yeah. deeply afraid that it'll happen to you.
1: Yep. Yeah, I could, I could see that for sure. What's, um, as we start to wrap this up, if there were one or two things that you could share today, you know, with the listeners that if they were to take action, implement today would help move their life forward. What would that be?
2: Yeah. I love love that question. I would say, so yeah, because it's about getting into action. So I would say, get out of perfectionism, like nothing's ever going to be perfect. Get it as close as you can to doable and then do it and then tweak it. That is definitely something I see people struggle with a lot is, well, let's try to make it more and more perfect before we start. No, get going on it, then tweak it. Like That's the number one thing, especially as a business owner. It's like, just test it, then tweak it. You don't have to have it perfect the first time. Actually, it's better to make it, you know, it needs to be good enough, but... Go For that C, C, solid C average <laughs> when you're starting, right? And then you yeah, can absolutely build up to the A or A plus or whatever you're going for. So, that I think is something that most companies struggle with.
1: Yeah, I, a lot of people do, right? And mm-hmm. all areas of life. And in a way, I think it's an excuse to not fully put themselves out there, but that's oh, 100%. Yeah. And awful. it takes
2: guts. It takes guts to put guts. something out where you're like, "This isn't that. It's not exactly how I wanted it." It, it takes yeah. a lot of guts just to, but go. You know what? Whatever yeah, done you, is better. We're gonna than put purchase. it out.
1: We're gonna continue to improve and make it better as time goes. So, exactly. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Which is how it should be, right? We're always. We should hopefully all be striving to get a little bit better in life. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, and that's definitely you, uh, you wouldn't yeah. otherwise. So, I appreciate you being here. Today, um, what are a few ways that we can follow you and and uh, stay up to speed with what you're what you have going on and what you, what you're doing?
2: Yeah, Well, thank and like I said, I appreciate you having me. This is awesome. I love your podcast, yeah. so this is great. Yeah, so my website is cassagrant.com so my it's two s's c a s s a grant G-R-N-T. so you can learn more about me there i have some freebies for people to download stuff about how to tell stories as a leader um how to boost your message and how to increase your personal brand things like that i also i, I hang out on linkedin a lot like so i have i do have instagram and i and i do show up there too sometimes but or well every week but in, in linkedin is really where i'm at so i love to connect with people there and uh yeah, you'll see more if you, if you're interested in more about the things that I, that I help leaders with, that's definitely the place to find me.
1: Excellent. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for, for giving us the time. And, and, uh, you know, if I ever make it down to Kiwi land, I will, uh, like I say, hopefully I will be in January, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good day. All
2: right. Thanks, Nate.
0: In 05 and 06, deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home, I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months he was all alone be P- P-